Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents Part 4 and the conclusion of his teaching, The Value of Relationships. We've been talking about the value of relationships, and this will be the last message in the series. And if you would put up our overview slide, we've talked about the heart of the Father. We've talked about family and friends. We've talked about the value of marriage. Today, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about something I call the family of faith. The family of faith. Amen. Let's begin by reading from Galatians 6, 9 and 10 in the New English translation. So we must not grow weary in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not give up. So then whenever we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who belong to the family of faith. Here Paul exhorts the Galatian believers not to grow weary in doing good, because eventually we'll reap if we don't give up. Amen? We're supposed to do good to all people, but especially to those that are of the family of faith. Other translations say the household of faith, family of believers, or the household of believers, or things like that. But I like the way the New English Translation puts it for this reason. It says that we, as believers, belong to something called the family of faith. We call it the local church, but really, it's a family of faith. A local church is your church family. Amen? Now, there are levels of being in the family of faith that go from the macro to the micro. For example, if you're born again, if Jesus is your Lord, you belong to the worldwide family of faith. You belong to the worldwide church of Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? And if you live in America, you belong to the church of America. If you live in North Carolina, you are a member of the church of North Carolina. And taking it down to its most fundamental level, The smallest building block of the worldwide church is your local family of faith or your local church. Amen. The one that you attend in the city or village in which you live or near where you live. For us, it's faith, life, fellowship in the city of Wilmington. Amen. Now I want to give you three reasons to go to church. Three reasons to go to church. And they're going to be very fundamental, but I believe they go to the root of the issue. The number one reason we should go to church is to experience the presence of God. Now, we can experience the presence in passionate praise and worship, but we can also experience his presence in the passionate preaching of the word. Amen. And if you've been coming to this church for any length of time, you know that we here at Faith Life Fellowship, we place a premium on seeking and pursuing the presence of God in this place. We will not be denied the presence in this place. Amen. It's in our DNA as a church. It's part of who we are. I remember when the Lord told me to start this church, I said, well, I want a church that pursues the presence of God. And the Lord said, that's why I chose you. To start this church. I want to begin by talking about the very first tabernacle that was built by Moses and the Israelites when they were wandering in the wilderness. Now, the tabernacle is nothing more than Bible speak for a large tent, just so you know. 
But God told Moses to take up an offering from the people of God in the wilderness and use that offering and use the people to build him a sanctuary. Let's read about that in Exodus 25, 8 and 9. And let them make me a sanctuary. That word there means a sacred place that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. In other words, Moses was instructed by the Lord to make a tabernacle within that tabernacle. He was told to make a sanctuary, a sacred place where God could dwell among his people. And it was supposed to be modeled after the heavenly tabernacle. Evidently, there's a tabernacle, there's a temple of some sort in heaven. And this earthly tabernacle was modeled after it. And I believe it was supposed to mirror to the greatest extent possible the atmosphere in heaven, i.e. where the presence of God would dwell. Amen. It was a place where the presence of the Lord could dwell among the people of God. Amen. So he says, make me a sanctuary that I may dwell therein. And then down in verse 22, and there I will meet with you and there I will speak with you about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. Let me break that down for you. God said, there I will meet with you and there I will speak with you. There you'll find guidance and direction concerning everything I'm calling you to do as the people of God. So right off the bat, one of the things that we can get in the presence of God, we can get guidance and direction for our life. You might have come here today facing a major decision. Maybe you feel lost. You don't know which way to go. If you spend time in his presence, God can drop it into your spirit exactly which way you need to go and exactly what you need to do. So in this earliest example of a sanctuary, a precedent was established that wherever the people of God would gather together, God would dwell in the midst of them. Amen? And that precedent is continued in the New Testament here in the words of Jesus. Matthew 18, 20, you've probably heard this before. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Amen. Now we know that God is omnipresent. That's a theological term which means God is everywhere at once. And we also know that He dwells within us as New Testament believers by the Holy Spirit. But there is something special that happens when the people of God gather together by two or three or more people. The presence of God comes in a very special way that's not always possible when it's just you and God. That's why you need to come to church to be in that kind of amplified presence. There's strength in numbers and there's power in agreement. Deuteronomy 32.30 says one can put a thousand to flight and two can put ten thousand to flight. Now I've got a math and science background so I fit an exponential curve to that function with one of my software packages. I found that by the time you get to nine people you can already overcome trillion to one odds. You get out to 18 to 20 people and the curve shoots up towards infinity. That means if you got 18 to 20, I'm just talking math, 18 to 20 people together agreeing on something, you can believe God for the impossible, for the infinite. Amen. 
That's why you need to come to church. There's power in agreement. There's strength in numbers. Amen. There is a greater degree of the manifest presence when the people of God gather together by two or three or by greater numbers. Amen. In uh, Exodus 33, Moses was preparing to take the Israelites into the promised land. And he was having a discussion with God about the presence. And some very interesting things can be learned from this dialogue between Moses and God. Let's uh, read from Exodus 33, verse 15 and 16. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. In other words, we don't want to go up into the promised land if your presence doesn't go with us. I think Moses knew that without the presence, they would not be successful. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Moses was saying he knew that the presence of God was the one thing that separates the people of God from any other gathering of people on the planet. Amen. Now, you can go to a Star Trek convention. If that floats your boat, I happen to be a fan of Star Trek, the original series. Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Chekhov. And you can dress like Star Trek characters. You can be around people that love Star Trek. You can have a great time. But the presence of God will not be there. But the moment the people of God gather together in His name, we are distinguished and we are separate from any other gathering on the planet because when we gather together, God shows up. If the first reason a believer needs to come to church is the presence of God, then the second reason we need to come to church is to experience the manifestation of His presence. To manifest means to reveal or to show forth. So what we're talking about here is that when you're in the presence, God begins to reveal Himself to show forth in a number of different beneficial ways. Now here's some Scriptural examples of what I'm talking about. Psalm 16, 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. Now, I want you to know that in the Hebrew and the Greek, there was no punctuation. Punctuation was added by the translators afterwards. So you could read this like this. You will show me the path of life in your presence. Again, you can receive direction. We already talked about this. Guidance and direction can come when you're dwelling in the presence of God. Amen. I also like the fact that it says in your presence is fullness of joy. That word there, fullness, comes from a word which means saturation. You don't just get full of joy. You get saturated with the joy of God when you're in his presence. Every cell of your body, every organ, every system is saturated with the joy of almighty God. And the fullness of joy includes things like the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the peace of God, and much, much more. Amen. 
2 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or there is freedom. Where the spirit or the presence of the Lord is, veils can be lifted from your eyes so you can see things clearly and go from bondage to freedom. Maybe you came into church and your mind was bound with a stronghold of the lies of the enemy. You have somehow traded the truth of God for the lies of the enemy and your mind is bound. But you know what? One moment in the presence of God can break that off of your mind, lift the scales and the veil off of your eyes so that you see things clearly and then freedom from bondage comes. I have a very personal example and thank God Stephanie is in the kids church and I won't make her cry again we've been bringing this example up time and time again and that is that Stephanie and Thomas a couple of years ago were on the brink of divorce and primarily Stephanie was convinced that the only way to solve the problems that they had was divorce and it was a stronghold in her mind and no matter who talked to her or how much they tried to persuade her she just wasn't buying it but a couple of times I was able to sit down with her one-on-one -on -one and I would always say the same thing. Stephanie, I'm telling you, you spend one moment in the presence of God and all of this is going to break off of you and the veil is going to be lifted and the scales are going to fall off your eyes and you're going to see things clearly. She never responded because I think she knew it was the truth. So one day, Stephanie has taken Ryder to school. If two or more are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And Ryder said, Mommy, why don't we listen to praise and worship music anymore? It's been a long time since we listened to praise and worship. Can we listen to some praise and worship on the way to school this morning? Steffi told me that she reluctantly agreed and she popped in a CD and she said the moment the first song began to play. The car was filled with the presence of God and she broke and she sobbed and she cried and it was the beginning of the end of thoughts of divorce in her mind and eventually things turned around and God restored their marriage all because of the presence of God was there in their midst because two of them had agreed to worship God. Glory to God. Luke 5, 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching. This is talking about Jesus. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Amen. I want you to notice that Jesus was in their midst. Jesus was in this venue and he was teaching and there was a large group of people there. And it amplifies the point that wherever Jesus is, wherever he's present, wherever his presence is, his power is available. The power of the Lord was present there to heal them. Now, if you know the story, none of the Pharisees and none of the teachers of the law got healed. 
One guy got healed. It was a guy that was paralyzed. His four friends lowered him down on a stretcher, tore a hole in the roof to put him at the feet of Jesus. And he looked at his friends and he said, your faith has made this man whole. Amen. They brought him into the presence and the power of God manifested. Amen. The second reason you need to come to church is so that you can get under the manifestation of the presence of God. The joy. The power. The healing, the miracles. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. I want to share a testimony of something that happened to Trish and I when we were in Tanzania in 2014. We were invited there by Dr. Egan and Hannah Falk, our good friends who run a large evangelistic outreach ministry there. And they asked us to come help them put on an outdoor crusade in a place called Bariati, a very remote area of Tanzania. And so my job was to preach to the 300 pastors and leaders and elders and volunteers in the morning in one of the churches that supported the outreach. I was to preach to them in the morning sessions, and then we were all going to the outdoor crusade in the afternoon to get ready for the thousands that came and got saved in that meeting. It was a privilege. It was an honor. But I remember... The first morning, my very first Monday, overseas, preaching the word, using a translator because they all spoke Swahili. Let me tell you, that takes a little bit of getting used to. Because when you preach up a storm, and I'm telling you what, I was determined if I came all the way from America to these people, I was going to give them my best shot. So I was preaching my best stuff. I'm waiting for that amen, and because of the translation delay, the amen comes later than you think it should, so it kind of throws you off. You know, by the time you hear the amen from your last point, you're already halfway into your other one. So it was throwing me off, and my wife was up on the platform, and she was watching the people, and she told me later that they were all blank faces. Now, these are people that know Jesus. These are people acquainted with the Spirit of God, you know, and they were looking at me like I wouldn't get through to them, you know, and so I pressed on, and I preached as hard as I could. The AM session was split into two parts. I would preach for 45 minutes, we'd take up an offering, and I'd preach for another 45 minutes. And it just looked like it was going nowhere. In fact, Trisha and I, when we got back to our room, to our deluxe suite, and it was a deluxe suite because it was the only room in the hotel that had a flushable toilet. We closed the door behind us, and my wife, she looked at me and says, what are we doing here? We're absolutely having zero impact on these people. We might as well go tell Dr. Egan, hey, listen, let somebody else teach the rest of the sessions because we're not making any impact. Something on the inside of me, I knew on the inside, and I said, honey, I know it seems like that, and I know it feels like that, and believe me, I was there preaching. Uh, I know it feels like that, but something tells me that something was going on that we weren't aware of. And we'll find out about it. So that night, or that afternoon rather, at 4.30, we showed up at the crusade. And uh, Don, who was Dr. Egan's chief mechanic, who we had struck up a friendship with uh, because he was from New Orleans and we were out of Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, Don comes running up to me and he goes, Dr. Scott, Dr. Scott, did you hear what happened at the seminar this morning? I said, Don, I was at the seminar this morning. What do you mean what happened? He said, oh, you don't know yet. You don't know yet. During the second session that you were preaching, a little bit of background is on order here. 
The crusade director for Dr. Egan was a former witch doctor. His witch doctor brother was in a village that was about four hours walk away. He had a bum right leg that was swollen and red and unable to walk on. He dragged that leg for four and a half hours from his remote village to come see his brother. He wasn't coming to go to church. He was just coming because he knew his brother was in the area. And Don said, while you were preaching, he walked into the sanctuary and his leg was instantly healed. And I knew nothing of it. As far as I was concerned, I was having zero impact. But you know what? I was preaching the word with passion and the presence of God was in that place. And the power of God manifested and he was healed. Let me tell you, he went on to the crusade that night. He got another healing in one of his internal organs by Dr. Egan and Dr. Jesus. And he gave his life to Jesus that night. Amen. Never judge the presence by the look on people's faces. You know, sometimes you feel the presence. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just know by faith that the presence of God is there. You sense it in the spirit, but you don't feel it with your emotions. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, then the third reason. The third reason you need to come to church is to help you become the person God created you to be. Amen. Everybody's born with that primal impulse. I want to know what I'm here for. What's my purpose in life? Listen, come to church and find out. Find out who you are in Christ. Find out the destiny that he has for you. Amen. He's got a far better plan than anything you can come up with on your own. Amen. Glory to God. All right. Psalm 92, 13 and 14. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Listen, you need to plant yourself in a good family of faith, a good local church, so you can grow and flourish in the gifts and callings of God that He has placed upon your life. If you do, the Bible says you'll bear fruit, you'll still be fresh, you'll still be flourishing, even in your older years. One of the things I've observed in almost 40 years of walking closely with God is this. Many Christians don't stay in one place long enough to allow the Lord to establish them, to plant them and flourish them so they can fulfill the calling of God on their lives. They get impatient. Things aren't happening fast enough. So they're constantly uprooting themselves, going from one church to another and never really growing in their gifts and callings to the degree that the Lord desires. And they end up stunting their spiritual growth. It's sad to see, but it's very, very common. If you're looking for a scripture that says you need to go to church, I'm going to give you one. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So what is this verse saying? Well, 
don't forsake assembling yourselves together. In other words, attend church regularly for your benefit. Amen? It's been my experience that half the battle to overcome in life comes by just showing up for church. Not out of some religious obligation. Get a star from Jesus. Check the boxes. Went to church today. Check. Shook the pastor's hand. Check. Sang a couple of songs. Check. Gave something in the offering. Check. I've earned something from God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about coming to church out of some religious obligation. I'm talking about coming to be with the people of God. I'm talking about coming to be with your family of faith. Worshiping God, sitting under the word, experiencing his presence, forming relationships and doing life and community together. Listen, every time you miss church, You miss an opportunity for God to speak into your life. He could speak through the preaching. He could speak through the worship. He could speak to somebody that comes up and shakes your hand and says, you know what, I believe the Lord is telling you, you don't need to be worrying about this current situation. God's got it all. He'll take care of you. And all of a sudden, you you feel like a weight just comes off of you just because somebody cared enough to exhort and encourage you. Amen. Somebody cared enough to speak into your life. But listen, you also miss an opportunity if you miss church to exhort someone else to speak into their lives. Don't come to church just to get your needs met, get your breakthrough, but consider one another. Be equally concerned about your brothers and sisters in Christ and and maybe those who come who don't even know Jesus yet. And finally, the writer of the Hebrews says that as the coming of the Lord draws nearer, we should be going to church more, not less. As the day approaches, that was their way of talking about the day of the Lord when he was coming back. If you believe he's coming back soon, now, I don't believe he's coming back as soon as some of you do, but I still believe he's coming back soon. And if you believe that, then we've got work to do. Amen. There's a lot of lost people out there. Heaven and hell are real places, and they are going to one or other of those places. It kind of simplifies things, doesn't it? We need to go out into the harvest and get people saved. And one of the ways that we, as a family of faith here, can do that is we can invite a friend to church that doesn't know Jesus. Come to church with me. It might be a little different, but you'll experience the presence of God. Go find somebody that's that's been hurt, that does know Jesus, but they've been hurt by the people of God. They've been hurt by ministers of God. This town is full of them. They just drift from church to church and place to place, never planting themselves in the house of the Lord. And they really never fulfill the calling of God on their life. Go find some of those people and bring them in here so we can love on them. And show them how the people of God and the leaders of God should treat the flock of God. Amen. We need to bring them to church. Love on them. Train and equip them. And send them out to get more people saved. We need to get that cycle going. And we need to keep that cycle going. And to do that, we need to change the culture here at Faith Life Fellowship. This is something that's been weighing on my heart. My wife and I, the last 
three months of 2019, we spent a lot of time in prayer and meditation and seeking the Lord. And one of the things the Lord said to us is we need to change the culture of our church. The Lord spoke it to me like this. You've got plenty of vision. You abound with vision. But the vision has to be planted in a culture in which it will thrive. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? The vision has to be planted in a culture in which it will thrive. Okay? And there's just some subtle changes we need to make to improve the culture here. Number one thing we need to do is we need to make up our mind that it is God's will for our church, our family of faith, to grow. If God plants something, then He intends for it to grow. If there's anything in your mind that says some churches are just destined to be small, let's get that out of our mind. We want to grow not so that we can glory in numbers, but we want to grow so we can do more for more people. We can have a greater impact in the community. We can have more resources and do more things for God. Acts 16.5 is your proof text. If you have any doubts that God wants this church to grow. Now Paul, the apostle, went all over Asia Minor, that's ancient Turkey and Greece, establishing and planting churches. And the Bible says here in Acts 16.5, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. So my new confession over Faith Life Fellowship is this. Our church is strengthened in the faith and our numbers increase daily. We have visitors every Sunday. And they stick. And they get committed to the vision of the house. Amen. That's my confession. I'm asking you as the family of faith here to hook up with me and Trish. And believe God. He does want this place to grow. He does have some things here that he wants to do. And he will do it if we'll cooperate with him. All right. So first thing we need to do is we need to believe together as a church that it absolutely is God's will for us to grow. Then, whatever we need to change structurally or culturally in this church to make us better, to reach out better, and accommodate growth, we need to commit to doing that. That's why you've seen some changes. We're doing things a little different. Started at the end of the year, and it's going to continue. We're changing systems and processes. We're not diluting the word. We will not compromise the word. We will seek the presence and we will preach the word. And we will pray for the sick and we will believe for signs, wonders, and miracles. That is in our DNA. But we can improve the way we do things and we can attract unbelievers to this place. After all, that's where it's at. If we're not getting people saved, we're doing something wrong. So wrapping this up this morning, we should come to our local church, our family of faith, for three fundamental reasons. Number one, to experience the presence of God and bring others into that presence. Number two, to experience the manifestation of His presence and bring others under that manifestation. Number three, to help us become the people God created us to be and help others become the people of God He created them to be. If we become the people God created us to be, we will do the things He created us to do, 
and we will reach the people he created us to reach. Isn't that right? Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed the conclusion of Dr. Forrest's message, The Value of Relationships. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.